Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. We worship you, Jesus. I have the privilege right now of, uh, of inviting a special, a special guest up to do some five minutes of fire. I've had my brother here visiting me, Brother Dawson Woodward. And he's going to come right now and he's going to share his heart with us. And so, so proud of this guy. Let's give him a hand, just a, just a hand clap. Welcome. How about we turn that to God and give him some praise right now? He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be magnified. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It is such an honor and a privilege to be with you all today. You all can go back to your seats for a few moments. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be up here, and uh, I thank and honor Pastor Bounds for trusting me with this opportunity, and I honor his family. I feel very grateful to be able to speak on his birthday. How many of y'all, did did y'all know that it was your pastor's birthday? Oh, I love him so much, and I'm so thankful for him. Lastly, I thank and honor the Bounds family for their hospitality and kindness. They've shown me while I've been here, and uh, don't you all love your pastor's family? They're some of the most genuine people I know. I love them so much. If you could all stand with me, and uh, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38. And it says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. For years the apostolic church has talked about revival, has dreamt about revival, but today we're going to see revival. We are at a place where God is getting ready to pour out his spirit upon America. We are so close to revival, but there is a price for revival. And that price is an altar. It was in a sanctuary in McConnellsville, Ohio, where I had, after a message that Pastor Bounds had spoke, you all may be seated. Um, And I, I sacrificed my will my plans, my dreams, my aspirations, and watch them die on an altar. It was not an easy thing to do, but it was in there I allowed the Lord to use me and direct me as he pleased. The reason why the laborers are few in this end time harvest is because most people want to see revival, but don't want to sacrifice anything for it. Most people want the atmosphere of revival and want to see sinners repenting, but don't want to pay the price for it because it comes at a cost and it comes at a sacrifice. Convenience has become the God of America. Why do you think so many false doctrines have come out of the Bible when it's so clear on certain topics, Brother Graham? It's because people want God They want his presence. They want the feeling they feel when they get a touch from him, but not if it takes away from their convenience. 
That's why you start seeing churches conforming to the world and pushing their boundaries more and more in order to reach more people. In reality, they're telling them a lie. That's why you have churches saying that baptism is optional. But truth is not convenient and truth does not change. And this word says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Our society would rather live a convenient life than be saved. People would rather live a life of pleasure than a life of holiness. But I believe there is a day coming where God is getting ready to shake America on its knees in repentance. And the church has to be there to stand up strong and point them to the truth no matter how hard it gets to proclaim that truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It will not be an easy task. If you could only hear and see the things God has been telling me and revealing to me, I'm telling you, Zanesville, we are on the brink of the largest apostolic revival in America, and you are a part of it. This city has a fire that's burning in it. This city has a fire that the sinners won't be able to deny. The backsliders won't be able to ignore. There's a fire burning and it's getting ready to spread in the city of Zanesville, Ohio. But what we have to grasp is that revival is not going to start taking place when it's most convenient for us. I believe that it will be in the midst of the church's greatest trials a revival will emerge. We have to realize that before revival comes, we're going to go through some challenges. Before the victory, we're going to have to fight some battles. And our sacrifices for that revival cannot depend on when it's most convenient for us. When I put everything I had on that altar in McConnellsville, it was right when every door you could have imagined began to open up to me. Every dream was so close to becoming a reality. It was not a convenient time. But I put it on that altar. I put my will, my life, my plans, my dreams for the sake of the kingdom so that I could be a laborer. I knew it was the right choice. Don't just sacrifice unto God when it's most convenient. If you sacrifice when God is convicting you to sacrifice something in the midst of your trial, your situation will be turned around. Because I'm not just saying that to make you feel good. I'm saying that because I know it's true. I know my God. My God honors sacrifice. And he's going to turn your situation around. He's going to turn your trial around. He's going to move mountains for you. And he's going to do it in the name of Jesus. Can we all lift our hands for a moment? Oh, Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, God. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done and all you continue to do in this city, Lord. I pray an atmosphere of revival would break out in this city in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I think we ought to clap our hands, stand to our feet, receive the word of the Lord this morning. We're going to see revival. We're going to see revival. Come on, why don't you just thank God for it for a moment. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen, amen.
Aren't we thankful for the word of the Lord today from Brother Dawson? Amen. Thank you, Brother Dawson. Amen. Certainly a touch of the Lord in here, isn't there? You don't want to miss it. And finally, uh, we are so happy today to announce that today is our pastor's birthday. Amen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear pastor. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 3 says, he's, the Lord said, I will give you pastors according to my heart. And God has sent us a pastor. And he must, he must have thought a lot about Zanesville to give us the pastor that he has given us. And we honor you today. We thank you for who you are to this church. We honor you. We love you. Don't we have the best in the world? Amen. It's offering time at the Anchor Church. Come on, we're going to see revival. How many believe that? I mean, believe the Lord's going to touch the land. He's going to touch our city. Amen. Remain standing all over the building. We're so thankful each and every one of you are here. Amen. Thanks for your kindness to me. Even this morning in our first, first steps of breakfast. And if you have not been through that, I recommend you going through that. Four classes that go continually and uh even then there's about where your giftings and your talents lie so you can be involved. We, we want you to attend, but we also want you to fulfill your purpose. Can you say amen? And I was thinking while they were singing today about the presence of the Lord that I feel. There's nothing like it. You can search the world over. You can't find anything that will make you feel the way His Spirit will make you feel. It's the breath of life. It's life breathing into us. That's why we're here. I'm here so glad you're here today. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And uh, well, I just feel him. Would you lift your hands and thank him for his spirit? We thank you for your presence here today. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I want to say I'm so thankful. My neighbors are here today. I so appreciate them. I see you back there. Misty's, thank you for being here. And uh, so glad that you're here. Amen. Rick and Lou are here. And they've got Kylie and Braden and, and Bentley and Xander and the other two children. You welcome them. We're so glad they're here. I've been blessed. And David and Kristen and Danica and, and Kristen's mother. We're so, I'm sorry, your name slipped my mind. I, please forgive me. But I'm so glad they're here. And David, I want to say... Would you welcome them? We're so thankful they're here. He surprised me last night and brought me a blunt cake. And I'm going to tell you, I think they're going to serve that in the marriage supper table with a lamb when we get on the other side. That was so good. And I want to say, David, thank you for being one of my dearest friends. So appreciate you. Let's welcome them today. Would you do that? All of our guests in the building, we're so glad you're here. Amen. Brother Scott Graham is no doubt one of the greatest preachers that's ever stood in shoe leather. And uh, I have honored, um, really respected him 
uh, for since my teenage years, and I'm not trying to make you sound old or anything, but I am 45 today. <laughs> but uh, his preaching has always been on point, and his uh, his precious wife, Sister Graham, we love you so much. Always the same, no matter where you see them. And uh, I want to say to Brother Graham, not only are you my wife's favorite preacher, you're you're you are you are so dear to us. She she'll she'll say, "Oh, Brother Graham's my favorite preacher." Oh. I'm, I mean, besides you, Aaron. Yeah. She's, she's, she's been a good wife when she says that. But uh, thank you for always speaking life into me. And every time I've ever heard you preach, I feel life spoken into me. Whether it was privately, uh, a text, uh, a kind word. I will tell you, thank God for truth preaching. It brings life to us. We want him to come. He's the General Secretary of the United Pentecostal Church and revered all over the world. But we're so glad to have him in Zanesville. Would you give them a big Zanesville welcome? Amen. Love you so much. Well, your pastor is very kind, and I'm grateful. So grateful to be here today for any number of reasons. First of all, it ain't near about as hot here as it is in St. Louis. It's better today. It was savage this week. God love your kids there for Youth Congress in a non-air-conditioned van. It was rough. We had a great week and certainly glad for all the folks that gathered at Youth Congress. But I'm very blessed to be here. I'm grateful to be here because my wife is with me. She doesn't get to travel with me everywhere, but I'm very blessed that Michelle is with me today and to be here with your pastor and his wife. Now, it's going to sound like some kind of mutual admiration society. But um, on my list of favorite people, the Bounds family are way up, uh, way up high on that list. We love them so much, and his sweet wife and their kids. And, and my wife says to me, "Aaron Bounds is my favorite preacher, except except for you, babe, of course." You know. <laughs> and to be here on his birthday—that's very cool. I. I'm wrestling so hard with whether or not. I just read this on the way here. I read a thing that says that they supposedly 80% of balding men still own a comb. They just can't part with it. Well, you know, you know. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. God forgive me. So good to be here with you, dear folks. Let me direct your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 5. 1 Samuel chapter 5, and I'll read in the first verse of that chapter. Another reason I'm blessed to be here today is that in the whole of the apostolic world, worldwide today, I'm the only guy that got to have... Dawson Woodward open for him today. I'm the only one. So I honor that great young man for standing up here and preaching today. Amen. Amen. 1 Samuel 5 and verse 1. Heart's very stirred today. Some weeks ago in thinking about this trip and praying, I felt so clear about what I was to preach here today. Now, believe that or not, it doesn't matter to me necessarily because it's true anyway. 
And uh, I trust that perhaps the fruit of what unfolds here today will bear testimony to that. 1 Samuel 5 and 1, And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, it was an idol, and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was on his face, I'm sorry, was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. Even more significant this time, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands, watch this, were cut off upon the threshold. And only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Now watch the consequence of that fact. Verse 5. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. When they came to church, they very carefully and very intentionally stepped over the place where God changed things. This morning I'm going to preach, and I have a burden to do so on the subject. Don't jump the threshold. Don't jump the threshold. Let's put our Bibles down or phones or whatever you have in your hand for just a moment. And would you just humor me for a second? And I want you to lift your hands. I want you to pray for me right now. I pray you've done that already and you can do so again. But right now I want you to pray for you and say, God, whatever you want to say into my life today, I want to hear it. Would you let your voice up out of your mouth right now and just say, God, whatever you're going to say to me, I want to hear from your voice today. I want to hear from your voice today, Jesus. Speak into my life. Whatever you want to change in me, that's what I want today, God. Affect my head. Affect my hands. Change me today, Lord. Let the Spirit of God do something lasting in this place. By your word, accomplish the eternal. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The Lord smile on you today richly, I pray. Like every apostolic preacher I have often stood in pulpits and declared the power of God to change a life. Is there testimony in the house? The power of God can change you. I suppose most Sundays, in one fashion or another, we proclaim about this miraculous opportunity. We see this as a vital message to be shared with those who worship here that God's power can totally change your life. And he can do so in an instant. It doesn't take 47 weeks of a bunch of self-help books. You step into the presence of God. Is there a witness in the house that you can come in with an addiction, but you can go out set free? You can come in with depression. You can go out rejoice. There is something about the power of God that can change a life. We preach that. We declare that. We're grateful for that. And rightly so. For if the church is not an agent of change in people's lives, we are nothing more than a religious club. If the day would ever come 
that a church cannot offer to the broken lives that come stumbling through its door, a remedy for both the cause and the effects of sin, then our purpose has become hopelessly shallow. At that point, we become nothing more than a museum for saints. Instead, as the phrase says, a hospital for sinners. But I'm glad to declare to you today that that is not the case in this place. We do not merely tell a sinner, just come and we can make you feel better about the condition that you're trapped in. But we say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. I preach today that in this place, in this place this morning, there is the opportunity for your life to be changed. Can't get loose from that just yet. Whatever you're dealing with, there's deliverance in this place. Whatever has tried to fight you, there's victory in this place. Whatever it is you're plagued with, there is a power of the name of Jesus Christ that can divide your life into before today and after today. And everything after today can be different than it was before. But in a broader sense, the fact that I'm declaring what I'm saying today is true for everyone who comes here today and not just the guests that may not be familiar with all this. I'm not suggesting that every guest who parks in our lot, crosses those doors, fully understands or even anticipates that some manner of eternal shift in their spiritual fortunes is, in, is, is, is imminent. You didn't. You probably didn't know what was going to happen to you when you came to God that first time. You didn't understand the magnitude of what he could do. But thank God he was merciful and did something wonderful. I, I, I just, I just, mm. I need somebody that would be willing to testify that you're glad that you came to God one way and you went home a different way. I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying we get too used to the fact. We get too comfortable to the fact that we're a long way from where we used to be. Every now and then you need to go back and see the pit he dug you out of. Every now and then you need to go back and see the monument you built. We came to God broken, discouraged, bound, defeated. And God said, I'll give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. He changed. You don't know where you'd be today if it wasn't for God. Don't you try to feed me that line. Well, even if it wasn't for him, I'd be a good, I'd be a good taxpayer citizen that flosses regularly. You don't know what you'd be. You might be the biggest crack addict in this county if God hadn't gotten your way. Come on, somebody, you don't know where you'd be today. You might have committed suicide decades ago and be burning in hell right now. You don't know where you'd be. But I thank God that the grace of Jesus Christ stepped in our way. And he changed. He changed my life. He changed my thinking. He changed my lifestyle. He changed my destination. He changed everything about me. 
No matter what kind of broken, I need somebody to witness to this. No matter what kind of broken pit you're in today, no matter how bad life looks, no matter how much hell has told you, you're never going to get out of this. There is in this house this morning a resident power of the Holy Ghost that can change your life. But before shift that opportunity to change only to those who have never yet been baptized. I preach today that we who have tasted his power to change our life must expect every time that we worship here something more than just feeling his presence and enjoying his blessings. I rise today to confront you with this fact that we born again Holy Ghost filled children of God have got to realize that when you came in this place today, God wants to work change in us again today. Come on, somebody, regenerate change is not just the gift offered to the unchurched. It is not the exclusive possession of those that are bound in sin. It is and must be the anticipated consequence of every worship encounter. Every time you get out of your house and drive to this place and walk through those doors, you better walk in saying, God, whatever you want to do to me today, however you want to change me today, whatever needs to be worked on me today, God, God, change me. Some area of our thinking, of our behavior, of our conduct, of our devotion is to be altered by exposure to his word and to his spirit. I must be changed. You must be changed. I can't stay like I am. As a church, we can't stay as we are. Well, man, are you such a scoundrel? Yes. So are you. It's a great church. But I remember an old song our elders used to sing. I've got a long way to go to be like my Lord. And I'm just saying we better be careful from getting so comfortable that we're a long way from where we used to be and we better start getting a little uncomfortable that we're a long way from what I want to be. I may have to amen myself in a minute. I will rejoice over how far he's brought me, but I will repent over how far I've got to go. And until we... Until we as a church come into this place saying, God, change me. God, change me. God, change me. It's a little unfair to say, God, change him. Change her. Change him. I'm telling you, the church has to fall in love all over again with a substantive change in our lives. As I examine the church of today, it is a grave and a dangerous condition to resist change. Oh, no, 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 now don't you. If, if you have any question, you listen to what I taught in Sunday school today. Not talking about change in our identity. Not talking about change in the doctrine. Talking about changing me. 
And I've noted in recent days a disturbing trend across the face of the church. There is a mindset of contentment with who and what we are until we come to church with very little anticipation that today is going to be a day that God works anything substantive in my life. We arrive with the full expectation that we'll leave just like we came. And for the most part, God's people seem okay with that. It starts simply, perhaps even innocently. We're tired. We're discouraged. We're weary and well-doing. And so we come to church and we just sit this one out. No, no real need, reason, to, reason to praise passionately. No reason to deeply worship. No need to shout amen to the preaching. No compulsion to hasten to the altar. No desire to linger in prayer. No passion to be perfected. No hunger for change. I'll just go home like I was. I came here saved. I'll leave saved. I'm no worse off than I was. I'm still the same man who came to church. How bad is that? It's a lot better than the man I was when I came here the first time. And I suppose in one sense... It doesn't seem all that bad so long as we're comparing ourselves to the depraved condition of the world around us except hear me, God help me. The danger is this, one detached worship experience leads inexorably to another and one avoided altar makes the next one easier to avoid and one time of fighting off conviction hones our skill to do so again. And one moment of quenched spirit perfects the talent in us until one service becomes two and two becomes three and three becomes a month and a month becomes a year and a year becomes a life. Sitting in church and we become quite proficient at coming to church. Hear the voice of the Spirit today. We must be changed. How about Pat your chest say, I must be changed. The scriptures say clearly that we move from glory to glory and that we go from faith to faith and we are transformed into his image not in one moment of divine creation but through the ongoing process of his sanctifying work in our life. Hear me, if we are not moving toward Jesus, if we are not growing in him, if we are not allowing his presence to shape us in every service, we are indeed slipping into the grave of complacency and self-deception. I don't know how to break this to you, but we don't reach a point in our life or our spiritual journey where we can say, well, I've matured enough. I've grown enough. I don't need anything more. I've heard all the preaching. I've sung all the songs. I've prayed all the prayers. I've done all the work. I can just idle my way into eternity. That is mindset is a curse if it occurs when you're 20 or if you're 120. Hear me tonight, today, any opinion that I've arrived is actually a testimony to spiritual blindness. I'll show you. Revelation 3.17. Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need. And you don't even know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. God says, you find me somebody saying, I don't need nothing. 
It's only because they've not looked in the mirror lately. I'd a lot rather come and preach happy clappy and make everybody go ooh, ah, than the Holy Ghost to restrain me. And he said, when you go to that church, you confront them with the fact that some have gotten too comfortable punching your time card and going to eat at Denny's. And they left me standing at the altar saying, don't you understand? I came today to do something in you. I came today to empower you. I came to shape your thinking. I came to work on you. And you got so satisfied with a religious habit that you came to church and you went your way and you didn't even give me a chance to do I'm asking, is there anybody here today that's hungry saying, God, I want you to work on me. I want you to change me. I want you to do something in me. It's been too long since I got on my face in the altar. It's been too long since I was the last one praying. It's been too long since I was desperately hungry after When's the last time you led the charge to the altar? Well, it was the night I got delivered. Yeah, I know. And that's the problem. We got too comfortable. We were willing to come down the aisle in everybody's eyesight that night. We were so desperate for deliverance. But now we've gotten so comfortable. I am compelled by the Spirit today to preach to the echoes of His voice in your spirit, to speak to those forgotten moments when the Spirit called you to His side and to call you back to the hunger you knew one day, to offer you the same blessing that is afforded to the rankest of sinners that ever comes to His house, and that is the gift of change. As a foundation, you can be seated. As a foundation in the Scriptures today, I take you to a dark season in Israel's history. Israel is laboring in a season of ungodliness due to Samuel's son's corruption of God's ways. God's judgment is against them. I've been doing this long enough. I Please hear me today. God's judgment is against their sin. God's judgment is always against sin. Please note that God's judgment is always against unrighteousness, whenever and wherever it may be. Don't you believe for one second that God is unaware of secret sins? Don't you believe for one second that the eyes of the Lord do not pierce the darkness around you? Don't you allow the enemy to convince you that public image is more important than private character? I don't care if you sit on this platform or on the back row or in the sound booth or someplace in between. You better hear me today. I've got a word from God for somebody in this house that God's forbearance and long-suffering and mercy must not be confused with his approval. He hadn't judged me yet. I know he's given you time to change. He's given you time to repent. I've got a word right now. He's given somebody time to get on your face and repent of something that none of us even know about. But the Holy Ghost sent me to tell you that just because he's been patient and given you chance after chance after chance that there will come a day of reckoning either in this life or in the life to come or in both. But just as surely as he lives, his righteousness will demand an accounting for sin. 
I would not be faithful to my calling if I did not remind you of these words. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. who God's reaching for right now but worshiping in a truth preaching church on Sunday does not somehow atone for a life out of harmony with his word the remaining days of the week singing on this platform doesn't mean he'll ignore your rebellion to his commandments dressing and acting the part here does not buy you a dispensation for immodesty out there hear the burden of the Lord today sin will either be dealt with here or you will surely deal with it one day and my spirit has been torn up in preparation to preach here today. I had an elder send me a text last night that said whatever you do be true to the word of the Lord today and give the people what God has given to you and I tell you that Jesus said whosoever shall fall on that stone shall be broken but on whomsoever it shall fall it will grind him to powder Somebody better hear me. Today is the day to change. Today is the day to let God work on you. Today is the day to get on fire for God. Today is the day to get on your Israel learned of this. The Ark of Covenant was seized in battle with the Philistines. It was the most cherished possession of the nation, the visible symbol of the presence of an invisible God, the earthly resting place of God's glory, the tangible link they had to an intangible God. And the Philistines took this wonderful prize. They carried it off, the Bible says, to a city called Ashdod. There, there was a temple to an idol, a God who was half fish, and half man, his name was Dagon. And into that temple they carried this holy mark of God's anointing, place of God's redemption, and they lay it there as some type of perverse offering to that chunk of stone. In the morning, when the priest of Dagon went into that house, they discovered that Dagon had more sense than Israel had. Because he was on his face before the presence of God. They printed that first t-shirt, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. They took Dagon, they propped him back up on that pedestal. It's a sad condition when you have to prop your God up. They set him back up on that pedestal. The day was done, they turned the lights out again. They came in the next morning to discover once again Dagon had fallen off that place. But this time there was something even more significant. He had cut the, his head and his hands had been cut off. And the Bible records where it happened. I don't know how close he usually sat to the doorway, but on that day the power of God threw him there, if nothing else. Because when he landed, his head and his hands were cut off. There was just the stump of him left. And the Bible says it was on the threshold. On the morrow when they approached the place, what an amazing sight. They saw the broken pieces of their God these idolaters had to come to grips with the fact, the understanding that there was a power at work there with which they were not familiar. Something happened there. It could not be denied. There was evidence of it. 
You couldn't discount it. You couldn't shrug it off as just emotion. Well, it's probably just the product of a Hammond B3 and a couple of good drum strikes. No. No, something significant had occurred. There was substantive change that had happened. It was such a frightful demonstration that it propelled fear in their heart. So they moved the ark out of that place and they set it on a course that ultimately led it back to Israel. But the lingering memory of the power of God to alter, to cut off, to rearrange, compelled this wicked people to a new practice. The Bible records that when they would come to the house, when I first read this years ago as a kid, I thought it meant they didn't come there anymore. Nobody treads on the threshold of Dagon. That's not what it says. I read it to you. Those who come to Dagon's house, they didn't stop going to church. They just were very careful that when they came to that place in the service where they had seen God work change, And then when the service was done, and they had thrown their shekel in the plate, they'd head out toward Cracker Barrel. Another Sunday accomplished with no change. Come on, son. Let's go to Sunday school. Oh, oh now be careful, boy. You don't want to step there. Things happen to folks that kneel there. They live different after they're there. You don't want that to happen to you, boy. Let me show you how we do this in our house. Go ahead, son. Take a big jump. Had a boy. I go off to Sunday school, son. But when you get ready to go home, be careful. Change happens if you don't keep your guard up. Now, I know you're saying, well, it's a bunch of pagans. It's a bunch of heathens. Of course, they'd have goofy and ridiculous points of view. They would not place their feet in that place where God changed the worshipers. They would not allow themselves to be exposed to that locale where their head might be changed, where their thinking could be altered, or where their actions could be affected. Now, again, the practice of some pagans is the least of my concern. But what does concern me is the propensity for God's people to practice much the same thing. Hear me. He said, no, no, that would never happen. God's kids love the moving of the Spirit. They love to see Him work. They delight in those moments and those places where His hand operates. Oh, really? Well, let's jump forward a few hundred years. Would you join me now to look at the prophetic warnings of the word Zephaniah, of the man Zephaniah in Zephaniah 1 and verse 8? And it shall come to pass... In the day of the Lord's sacrifice, and I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel in the same day also. I will punish all those that leap on my threshold which fill their master's house with violence and deceit. Nearly every translation you read of that will say they leap at the threshold or they leap over the threshold. God said, my people. Not the idolaters in Ashdod, my people have picked up this practice that they got from the rest of the religious world to say, I want to worship, but I don't want to be changed. And, God, and God's people, what vexed God were not the actions of idolaters and Ashdod. No, what fostered God's wrath and a promise of divine punishment was when that mindset and philosophy of worship found its way into his church. 
God's people said, we want the image of coming to worship. But we certainly don't want to stand where he works. We want the practice of tradition, but not the power of his touch. We want the outward shore of religion, but not the inward shower of righteousness. No, God, what I want to do, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to come to Sunday school, and I want to shake a few hands, and I want to polish up my praise the Lord. Because it's important to me that folks think I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to clap on two and four, or one and three if you you know have to do that. I'm going to sing the songs with the young people, at least all four words that I knew. And I'm going to nod. and I may even shout amen a time or two if he makes me. And I'm going to tell Brother Bounce happy birthday. And I'm going to raise my hands a little bit here and there. And I'm going to tell Jesus I love him because I do. And then when he gets done preaching, I'm going to wave a hand a little bit and say, God, I love you. That was and I may even go by and tell the old dude from St. Louis he did okay. And then I'm going to get in my car like this. Because I've gotten pretty comfortable with how I'm living. I've been trying to entertain you or make you jump and shout right now. The Lord constrained me weeks ago about this day to come and tell you that God sees you every time you come to that point in the service that he would like to reach down and empower you and change you and work on you and call you to an altar. He sees every time. And God's kid says, no, now be careful. You don't want to touch that. I've seen what happens to people that stop there. I've watched how their life changes. I've seen how God rearranges their thinking Son, I've watched, I've been at this long enough. I've seen people that make their way down there regularly, and God changes people who, st people who go there. Their mind is changed. They start thinking different. They start talking about God. People who stand there have the works of their hands changed. Things they used to do, they don't do anymore. You hearing me right now? People who kneel there make significant changes in their appearance and in their lifestyle. People who pray there live differently from others who call the same congregation home. People who respond there repent of sins they assume nobody knew about. People who step there are called to levels of faithfulness and consecration that their flesh doesn't like. Be very careful, son. Be careful. God won't let people who position themselves properly stay like they were. You can see it on them. Perceive that you've been with Jesus. Well, I wonder what would happen in this city if several hundred people went to work tomorrow and folks said, what happened to him? I came up to that place in the service. That preacher said God wanted to do something in me. And I decided Cracker Barrel could wait. And instead of jumping over it, I planted my feet in that spot. you to touch my life today. I want you to change me. I'm as desperate for you to touch me today as I was the day I came in here bound by drugs. I'm as desperate for you to touch me today as I was the day I didn't know anything about you. And I put my feet in the altar and I said, I'll wrestle with you, angel, but I'm not letting you go until you bless me because I came to this place today not to be entertained, but to be
I need a hungry person to reach out to God right now. I need a hungry person to get desperate after God right now. We're fighting it right now. We're fighting that spirit that says if you just hold on a little bit, he'll dismiss and you can go on your way and you can live this week just like last week. And I guess you can, but God is saying, how would you like to live this week with a new anointing? How would you like to live this week with a deeper consecration? How would you like to live this week hearing my voice whisper to you at 2 in the morning? How would you like to live this week with close communion with me? Well, then come up and get on the threshold. Don't jump over it. Put your face down on it and say, God, change my head. Change my hands. I'm desperate to be changed. I plead with you to call out to God. It's lonely there. It doesn't happen quick or easy. It's in the dark of night when nobody sees. It's not a group activity. It's that moment where you just get off with God and say, man, I just came out of Youth Congress and I've had a great time, but God, I don't want to go back to what I was, so change something in me. It's when you put your face down and say, God, I've been given my return in the tithe and I've been faithful, but God, there's got to be a deeper level of relationship with you than I've ever known and I want you to change something in me. I'm done. I'm done, but I need you to cry out to God. I guarantee you when that idol fell down and he was changed, it was a noisy experience. I promise you it was not quiet. It, he, he, he attracted a lot of attention. It's not always quiet when this happens. So I plead with you to let your voice come out of your mouth and call out with passion to God. I'm asking you to call out with desperation to God. The Lord sent me to confront you with this message today that you've gone to too many church services and you've jumped over the threshold. You jumped into worship, but you jumped over the threshold. You jumped into giving, but you jumped over the threshold. God wants to change you today. The service is yours. I'm done. Pray. 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 Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.